head swiftly. Later, she murmured. So, our visit to the club had a purpose after all, I mused. Suddenly the promise of cakes and tea took on an additional spice. The girl named Florrie whisked herself away with the brisk rustle of starched petticoats as Lady Cordelia took the pen and signed us in with a flourish. I glanced about, registering my first impression of the club. It was smaller than I had expected, intimate, and decorated with a restraint I found relaxing. The windows were draped in scarlet velvet, almost identical in hue to Hetty's crimson plush, and the carpets were quietly patterned tasteful things from Turkey, heavy and thick enough to muffle our footsteps. The walls were closely hung with photographs and maps, charts and memorabilia, all celebrating the accomplishments of the members. The club was fitted with gas, but a quick glimpse through the arched doorway into a large parlour revealed a fireplace in which logs were merrily crackling away. I heard the muted buzz of female conversation, punctuated here and there by excited remarks or unrestrained laughter, and I tipped my head at the sound of it. Debate and lively discourse are encouraged at the Curiosity Club, Hetty told me with a smile. But in contrast to the warmth of Hetty's welcome, Lady Cordelia's mood seemed to have shifted. By the time she had guided me upstairs to the closed door bearing the inscription's smoking room, her usual calm had faltered and the furrow had etched itself again between her brows. She tapped lightly, darting me an anxious look before the reply sounded, swift and peremptory. Come. Lady C opened the door upon a smallish, handsome room furnished in the same style as the hall downstairs. Framed maps hung upon the walls, books lined the shelves, and a table beneath the windows held celestial and terrestrial globes interspersed with a selection of potted orchids. A few comfortable leather chairs, like those in gentlemen's clubs, had been installed, and one of these was occupied by a lady dressed in subdued but extremely expensive fashion. She rose slowly as we advanced, giving me a look of frank assessment. Lady C made the introductions. Lady Sundridge, may I present Miss Speedwell? Veronica, this is Lady Sundridge. For a long moment, Lady Sundridge said nothing. She merely stood in a state of composed stillness, like a figure in a tableau. But while her body was immobile, her gaze was rapacious, darting from my face to my hands and back again, as if searching for something. As my social superior, she held the advantage. It fell to her to acknowledge me, and as long as she was content to play the mute, so was I. I returned her stare coolly, noting her fine-boned face and a tall, slender frame that she carried to elegant effect. Her hands were loaded with jewels, the facets shimmering ceaselessly in the shifting firelight. She spoke at last. I know the hour dictates tea, but I had in mind something more bracing. She indicated a low table before the fire. There stood a bowl of hot punch, heavily infused with rum and spices, and I took the glass she offered. She watched me as I swallowed, nodding in approval. You are not shy of spirits.
I am not shy of most things, Lady Sundridge. The beautiful eyes widened for an instant. I am glad to hear it. I asked Lady Cordelia to bring you to the club, so that I might have the pleasure of making your acquaintance. You are, in some circles, quite legendary. And what circles might those be, my lady? If my forthright approach surprised her, she mastered it swiftly. She gave a dismissive little shrug. Lepidoptery, of course. I know you trade in butterflies and publish papers very quietly, but it is not difficult to pierce the veil of anonymity if one is determined. And why should you be determined? Are you a collector? She gave a low, throaty laugh. Of many things, Miss Speedwell, but not butterflies, alas. But of people.